Today we're continuing our series on relationships. In the motion picture, The Princess Bride, the clergyman performing the dreaded ceremony of Prince Humperdinck and Buttercup talks about marriage. And according to him, he says, marriage, if you've seen the show, you know exactly what I'm talking. Marriage is what brings us together today. And he says, and I, I, won't, I won't continue to imitate this thing because it's, it's pretty awful. He says, but marriage is a dream within a dream. And wolf, true wolf, <laughs> with you, will follow you forever and ever. So treasure your wife. Okay, there. Did I do it justice? Did I do it justice today? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> marriage is a sacred covenant. It's a relationship that's built on love. The whole series, we've talked about the foundation of all relationships is love. But marriage is forged in loyalty and tenacity. It's, and today we're continuing our series. In this series, we're looking at different characteristics of relationships, hitting on specific relational topics. And today, this is the one about marriage. All marriages start off as a dream within a dream. But there's more to being a husband or a wife than just romance. Paul wrote about marriage to the church of Ephesus, and it gives us an amazing blueprint to follow as we discuss this important topic. Married couples, this is good information as we grow in our marriage relationship. Singles, this would be an easy one for you to tune me out, but I'm asking you not to. You never know when God's going to drop that special someone into your life. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, if you want to go to connectedhope.com, you can follow along in your notes. We're talking about marriage. He says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife also actually shows love for himself. Verse 29, no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it. Let me say that again. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Marriages are built on mutual submission. Let me say that again. Marriages are built on mutual submission. He says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission is a key to a healthy marriage. Many times one spouse may dominate the other spouse. That's not the way God intended it. Some look at marriage as 50-50, but truthfully, that's not the way it should be. Marriage is 100%, 100%. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. I, I didn't bring half of me into the marriage. 
I didn't bring half of me. I, Sasha got the full meal deal. She got it everything. She got my, she got my silly jokes. She, she got my cheesy romantic gestures. She got my love for football. She got my socks on the floor. She got my love for music. When, when we're walking around the house or driving in the car, she never knows when I'm going to break out in song. She got the whole deal. She got my strengths. She got my clothes on the floor. Did I say that again? She got it all. She got me folding towels the wrong way. She got me putting dishwashers, dishes in the dishwasher the wrong way. She, she got the whole gamut. She got being used as an illustration every Sunday morning, whether she liked it or not. She got the whole meal deal. She got my strengths. She got my weaknesses. In the same way, Sasha brought her entire self into the marriage. She brought all of herself. It was 100%, 100% of us coming together in a family unit. The only way that works, though, is us being, being able to live in mutual submission to one another. So our marriage, our family, has to be based on mutual submission. My friend Rod Loy, in his book, After the Honeymoon, wrote this. He said, mutual submission helps prevent mutually assured destruction. So in order for us to have marriages that go the distance, we all need to have characteristics of submission, humility, gentleness, patience, and tolerance. We want to have marriage that goes the distance. We, we do that as husbands and wives then fulfill their biblical role in marriage. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about parenting, and to start that message, I said there are no perfect parents. In the same way as spouses, let me help us out, there are no perfect parents spouses. We are all a work in progress, and I've often said about myself that I'm my own worst critic. I am probably more critical of myself in, in the role of as a husband or the role as a father or the role as a pastor, whatever role that I feel, than anybody else would be. With that being said, I really wanted to bring in a ringer today. I wanted to bring in somebody who'd written a book on marriage, who had, who had uh, done you know something uh, you know famous about marriage, and bring them in and and speak to to you today because I feel like I'm inadequate to speak on this subject. Sasha and I are far from the perfect married couple, and I need constant reminders from God's Word of how I can be a better husband. But as far as Sasha, I think Alabama put it best when they said, don't you worry about my woman, what you think she ought to be, because she's close enough to perfect for me, all right? I told you, she got my cheesy jokes, right? With that being said, I think it's important to lay some ground rules this morning. When we're talking about marriage, when I'm talking to the wives, this is not a time for husbands to say, I told you so. And wives, when I'm talking to the husbands, this is not a time to give them that a spiritual elbow and say, you better listen to this uh, this morning. Because here's the reality. We all could do better. We all could be better spouses. We could all be better, uh, uh, bring something better to the table. This is a time for us to listen and self-evaluate. Self-evaluate the things you're bringing to the marriage relationship that are unhealthy. We want you to know how you can be a b better in your biblical role as a husband and a wife, and I'm telling, or, or wife. And I'm telling you, I have to do this continually. Like when I start feeling like I'm not being a good husband, I pick up one of those U uh, version uh, Bible app uh, devotions on how to be a better husband, or I read a book on marriage, or do something because I, I feel like this is something that I have to continually 
work on. So we're going to start with wives this morning because that's what God did. He said in Ephesians 5.22, For wives, this means submit to your husbands. As to the Lord, for a husband is head of his wife, as Christ is head of the church. He's the Savior of his body, the church, and as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. The wife is given the God-appointed task of helping and submitting to her husband. This doesn't mean that the wife is under the feet of the husband, because if you remember, we said this is a built on mutual submission. It's a partnership. It's a life partnership. Miles Monroe explained it better in his book, The Purpose and Power of Love and Marriage. He eloquently writes, Submission means that a wife acknowledges her husband's headship, a spiritual leader and guide for the family. It has nothing whatsoever to do with her denying or suppressing her will, her spirit, her intellect, her gifts, or her personality. To submit means to recognize, affirm, and support her husband's God-given responsibility of overall family leadership. Biblical submission of a wife to her husband is a submission of position, not personhood. It is the free and willing subordination of an equal to an equal for the sake of order, stability, and obedience to God's design. As a man, a husband will fulfill his destiny and his manhood as he exercises his headship in prayerful and humble submission to Christ and gives himself in sacrificial love to his wife. As a woman, a wife will realize her womanhood as she submits to her husband in her honor of the Lord, receiving his love and accepting his leadership. When a proper relationship of mutual submission is present and active, a wife will be released and empowered to become the woman of God always intended her to be. So wives, your job then is to submit to your husband, but what does that look like? Let's look at the biblical role then of a wife. A wife's duty to her husband includes first, we said it the entire series, love. Titus 2.4 says, these older women must train the younger women to Do what? To love their husbands and their children. And so love is the foundational principle here. Wives, you are to love, not we're, I'm I'm used to saying we're, but I'm preaching to you today. You are to love, wives, your husbands and your children. We said from the beginning that this is a foundational principle of all relationships. The second thing you can write down is respect. Ephesians 5.33, so again I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Respect by definition is feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievement. Men want to be respected. Let me help, let me help you out there. Men want to feel the respect of their wife. They want their, to know that their wife and their children respect them. As Aretha said, all we need is just a little respect, all right? Just a little bit. <laughs> Assistance. Write that down, the word assistance. Genesis 2.18, Then the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Adam had a God-given mission to be fruitful and multiply, but he couldn't do that by himself. He wasn't asexual. He couldn't go back into the back room and come out with another hundred Adams. He had to have somebody to help him create. He couldn't reproduce himself. He needed someone to help him. Eve was that helper to help him fulfill his mission. A wife is not simply there, though, to reproduce. 
A wife is to be a helper to her husband. As he fulfills his biblical role, a wife comes alongside him to be a helper to him. You guys see that every week. I could not do what I do at Hope Family Fellowship if it wasn't for my wife. She's a helper to me. She comes alongside of me. This morning she took care of things that that I didn't have to worry about because I knew that she was going to take care of those things. We have to start seeing ourselves as one in the relationship. We need each other. We're better together. There are deficiencies that I have that Sasha makes up for. There are strengths that I have that are weaknesses for her. I referenced this last week when I was talking, uh, you know, in the sermon that I, I spoke last week. And I, I, I've been reading this book by uh, Marita Littire. It was called Wired That Way. In fact, I took our, our, our staff team and I had them take the test. And we looked at our different personality types that we, were, we have. And this is what they said about me and Sasha in the book. She, she wrote, I find the marriage that takes the most work and the most adjustments is the one in which one spouse is per, popular, sanguine, and powerful cleric, and the other is peaceful, phlegmatic, perfect melancholy. Guess what personalities we have? That's not real encouraging. In fact, when I, wrote the, when I was reading that in the book, I took a, a snapshot of it and sent it to Sasha. But here's what she went on to write. Here's what Maritza says. She went, says, when these two people marry, not only are they opposites, but they also do not share any part of a square in common. She's going through different squares in her thing. And, and she says they don't share any of that in common. And the marriage can work, but both parties will have to be willing to put forth extra effort. Y'all pray for her. To understand each other's personality and corresponding emotions needs. And the great thing about having such opposite personalities, though, is that we truly complement each other. We truly complement one another because when there's things that bug her, they don't bug me. Or when there's things that bug me, they don't bug her. And while I'm, woo, popular saying, when highs and lows, I'm riding the shockwave all the time, up and down, Sasha's pretty even kill. She's constantly bringing me back and, you know, from the highs and don't get too high and lows. Come back up here, you crazy thing. And, uh, you know, and I mean, we, you know, and then when I'm out in public and I begin to embarrass the entire family, she's, she's going, hey, kind of, you're embarrassing us. Stop, you know. And I'm going, well, why? Doesn't everybody want to have a musical in their life? I mean, it's okay if I sing Billie Jean in the middle of Walmart. Why? You know, I mean, who cares, you know. And she's like, no, that's embarrassing. Stop. Don't do that. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, I'm just being honest. It's, it's, it's uh, being, a little, being a little honest. But we need each other. We need helpers. So wives are supposed to be help. Purity. This is another role for a woman, is purity. 1 Peter 3.1, in the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, and even if someone refuses, some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. We will deal with the men in the moment, but purity is not just a problem for men. In our culture, it has become a problem for ladies as well. Another thing is submissiveness, 1 Peter 3, 5. This is how the holy woman of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. The NIV says they were submissive to their own husbands. Again, submissiveness does not mean you lose your personality or your opinion. Let me help you out there. It recognizes the spiritual authority 
of the home. Women are not to be put up under the, the feet of a man. They're not. I, I remember going, my mom's here today, and she's one of our regulars on, online, on our online campus. Good to have her. Yeah, give mama, mama a hand. But I remember going to her aunt, uh, uncle's house, and, and he, uncle would just, all he did was shake his tea glass, and my aunt, great aunt, would come running. I remember seeing, uh, he, she got a brand new car, and he would not even allow her to drive her own car. Well, when he passed one day, I was driving down 183, and I look over, and there's my aunt, my great aunt, and she's just cruising down the road in her car, and I'm laughing because she finally got to do something that she should have been able to do because submissiveness does not equal you being under her feet, responding when somebody shakes their tea glass. I'm going to tell you, if I shake my tea glass at my country girl that God has given me, y'all are going to find me somewhere in a grave. That ain't happening. That, that is not, that's not what submissiveness is. Submissiveness is that you, you allow yourself to come under the spiritual authority of, of what God has placed in the home. It doesn't mean that you're trampled on. Another thing is development of a gentle and quiet spirit. 1 Peter 3, 4 says, You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so so precious to God. This shows that our true beauty is in character and not decoration. The other thing is a biblical role is a good mother. Titus 2.4 says these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. They're to be a good mother. Part of the role as a helpmate is to be a good mother to the children. When the girls were younger, there was a time when Sasha went away. Usually I'm the one that goes on, on, on trips uh, or, you know, business trips or something. She was gone, and I had to get the kids ready for school. And I believe it was Maddie that had the teacher fix her hair because I had done such a poor job, uh, you know, on fixing her hair that morning. I've learned, I learned over the years that I don't fix their hair anymore because they don't, they don't need me to. They're older, but I would learned to do a good ponytail, but I was no Paul Mitchell, okay? <laughs> but it was obvious when mom was not home, right? To be a homemaker, Titus 2, 4, and 5, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Sasha can walk into a room and see things that I can't see. It's her biblical role. It's her personality. But it's also a biblical role. Does that mean it's her biblical responsibility then to do all the household chores? I wish I could tell you yes, but no. It's not. Absolutely not. Why? We are one. We are a team. While homemaking is her strength, we are one. A week or so ago, Sasha asked me to help. She said, hey, could you, could you, uh, hey, big boy, would you get your butt off the couch? And, and oh, no, she didn't say it like that. Uh, <laughs> She was thinking it, but she didn't say it like that. And she said, would you, would you come in and, and would, you, would you do something? Would you help me something? I can't remember what chore she gave me. But would you? So here's what I did. I get up, and when I take a spiritual gift inventory, leadership is one of, uh, is one of the giftings that I have. It's one of my higher gifts. So what do leaders do? Leaders lead. Leaders lead. 
And so if Sasha asked me to help with the chores, I do what is natural for me. And unintentionally, I begin recruiting my team and I delegate responsibility, a.k.a. my children. I say, Maddie, Kenzie, come in here. Maddie is like she doesn't have to be told to clean. She like cleans all day, every day. If we don't tell her to, if we tell her to do it, then she doesn't want to do it anymore because she has struggles uh, with independence. And, and so I begin to start delegating responsibility. Hey, Maddie, will you go unload the dishwasher? Kenzie, will you flow, fold the clothes? I'm going to do this. And I begin to delegate. And Sasha and Maddie both start making fun of me because they say I just can't do it myself. Everything's better in teams, right? We preach that around this, this church. Jesus is still working on me, y'all. Help me out here. But we're one, so we work together. We're getting better at this. She enjoys yard work, so she started mowing. I came home, uh, I guess it was Thursday afternoon, and she had the front yard already mowed. And So what I did is I went inside, and, and I changed clothes, and I came out, and I killed a snake, and, 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 and uh, I weed-eated and, and did that. And then later on that night, I got in, I got in uh, my bed. I was all nice and comfy, and I was just dozed off, and all of a sudden I hear, Daddy, there's a snake. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I go in the house, and there's a snake inside our house. And no, it wasn't, it wasn't Sasha. It was, a, it was a real snake. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and I was seeing if y'all were awake. I was just seeing if y'all were awake. Y'all don't judge me. And, and there was a real snake in the house. It was about this long. And, and it was just a little tiny. And I, and I did the biblical thing. I, I uh, crushed its head and got him out of the house and, and all, deal, all that. The point is, we work together. There's, there's things that are my strengths and things that are her strengths. I, 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 I did the weed eating. I came out and I blowed the things off. She worked in the flower beds. It's a team effort. The role then of a wife is important, but the role of the husband is important as well. If you look at Matthew 5.25, did you notice here there's more scriptures dealing with the husband than with the wife? He says, for husbands, this means love your wife. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. So this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husbands. Husbands, our life is a life of ultimate submission. This doesn't mean we're trampled on. It means that we willingly give up our lives to love our wives. God has established the family as the basic unit of society. Every family must have a leader. Therefore, God has assigned the husband the responsibility of being the head of the wife and the family. The way we lead our families is exercised in love, gentleness, and consideration of our wife and our family. Our God-given responsibility then includes providing for the family's spiritual and domestic needs. Now, a lot of times in our society, we get the domestic part. I'm the provider of my family. I've got to make sure that, that, you know, that there's money 
for groceries and all of this stuff, and we, we take that responsibility of ourselves. But if you look at it, he says in verse 23, for a husband is head of his wife, as Christ is head of the church, he is the savior of his body, the church, and as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So we should be the chief then disciple maker in our homes. Dads, you've got to pastor your homes. Let, let, me, let me help that. We, we use that term pastor in our society to give the head of, head of the church, right? But dads, you have to pastor your home. You have to care for your home. It's my responsibility as a dad and as a husband to disciple my family. Dad, you should lead the way in getting them to church and community groups. Mom shouldn't be the one going, hey, we got to go to church. Dads, you need to be the one that's saying, we've got to go to church. We've got to be involved in community. You should help them read the Bible and pray. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that myself. Well, all you've got to do is just be one step ahead of them. All you have to do is be one step ahead of them. You don't have to be a Bible scholar, have a master's from a theological seminary. You basically just have to share with them what you just read. Genesis 3.16, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from, from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. But the, by the sweat of the brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. This shows that, that domestic responsibility is ours as well. Not only are we the spiritual leader, but we're the domestic leader. This means we lead the way in providing for our family. Sasha works outside the home. She has our entire marriage. We couldn't have the quality of life that we do have without her income. However, it's my responsibility to make sure that we are provided for. As the pastor, leader of this church, it's my responsibility to make sure that the bills are paid. Sam does a great job of, of writing. Our, he's our treasurer. He makes sure that there's a great, does a great job of writing the checks. But at the, at the end of the day, if a bill's not paid, it's ultimately my responsibility. Because if, as the leader, if I'm not, if I'm not making sure that, that things are going on, if I'm not looking at the financial report, if I'm not taking that step to make sure that... that, that uh, the books are balanced. That we we hired a company to do that, but at the end of the day, it's my responsibility to make things, make sure those things are happen. If the church lawn doesn't get mowed, it's a reflection on me. If the toilets aren't clean, it's a reflection on me. We need to see ourselves as the CEO of our homes. The buck stops with us. If the bills aren't paid, it's my fault. If the laundry isn't done, our responsibility. Doesn't mean I do everything, and <laughs> I don't. But at the end of the day, if, if, if the laundry's piled up and I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to help with it, then, then I'm the problem. Not whoever has that chore. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we're going to be the man in our homes, we need to take the lead and the responsibility of making sure that our families are provided for and taken care of. Love, protection, and interest in your wife's welfare in the same way that Christ loved the church. That's another one of our responsibilities. He says, husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Now, this is a question I have to ask myself. Am I loving my wife 
like Christ loved the church? Am I laying down my life for her like Christ did for me? That's a legitimate question that I have to ask. Honor, another thing is that we've got to show honor, understanding, appreciation, and thoughtfulness for our wives. Colossians 3.19, husbands love your wife and never treat them harshly. 1 Peter 3.7, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wife. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Man, when you read that, I don't want my relationship with God hindered because of the way I'm treating my wife. So I have to be careful how I treat my spouse. We need to treat them with honor, understanding, appreciation, and thoughtfulness. Scripture teaches us if we don't treat them right, then it hinders our relationship with Christ. Another thing is absolute faithfulness to the marriage relationship. It says in Matthew 5, 27, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus takes it to the next level, he, what he deals with the heart, not just the action. So many times we, we look at the action and say, well, don't do this or don't do that or don't do this. But Jesus says, listen, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about your heart because the action is a reflection of your heart. So are our hearts absolutely faithful then to the marriage relationship? According to this scripture, then looking at porn is, is adultery. Looking at a woman with lust is adultery. We have to guard our eyes and our heart. We do it for our wives. Yes, we do it more for our relationship with God. Because here's the thing. If this is right, then this will be right. Because if this is not right, then this won't be right. So we have to be committed wholeheartedly to Christ. When I, when I have somebody come and in a few months, I'll get to perform a marriage for Garrett and Courtney over here. And we'll talk about a lot of what we talk about is the ultimate triangle. That if I'm giving my all to Christ and, and my wife has given her all to Christ, then ultimately it's like a triangle. We're growing closer together. But it starts with the relationship with God. And we've got to stay committed to that first and foremost. Listen, here's the thing. I've given you a lot of information today. I've, I've just dumped it out here, and I wish I could take a moment and probably preach on every single one of these topics in a more in-depth way, but the reality is, is we'll live a life of mutual submission, mutually submitted to one another, and mutually submitted to Christ. Then our lives and our marriages will be a lot better. This is not perfect, we're going to argue and we're going to fight. We're going to fuss. We're going to leave our socks on the floor. It's going to happen. I try. I do my best. I, I see it as a game now. I take them off and I shoot them across the room. But I'm not Michael Jordan. And so I miss the basket and I forget to go pick them up. And it happens. But the reality is all of those things, all those personality quirks, all those little differences can be set aside as long as we're truly loving our wife as Christ loved the church, submitting to one another in reverence and love and finding our biblical roles and what God has created. These notes are online at connectedhope.com. They'll be over there for several days. You can, you can go and download them and look at them. But the reality is we all can do better in this. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray over your marriage, and the team's going to come back up and lead us in, in song today. But before, before I do that, maybe you're watching online today and you're away from the Lord. 
and in this room. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. And I believe that if we'll pray this prayer, if we'll mean it in our heart, that we'll be saved. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. It says in Romans 6.23, the wages or the payment of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. To receive Christ today, to receive that grace, that mercy, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. So whether you're in this room or you're online today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Would you pray it out loud today? Would you say, dear Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. I believe you're the Son of God that you died, rose again, and that you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us today? I love the song we're about to sing. It says, Jesus Christ is our living hope. We talk a lot about hope at, at Hope Family Fellowship. We want to be a place of hope, and to be a place of hope, we've got to be people of hope. And sometimes we may feel like, our relationship, there's a struggle and that, that there's no hope, but God is our hope. No matter what our circumstance, no matter what's going on in our life. So as we sing today, I'm not asking you to evaluate your partner. I've had people come to me uh, for marriage counseling before, and, and they, they come to me and they'll start unloading. My spouse did this, my spouse did that, that. And finally, I just look at them and I say this. See, you guys won't come to me for counseling after this. I say, let's just assume they're the worst person in the world. They start pu- pushing back. Well, they're not, they're, not wor- they're not that bad, Pastor. I mean, no, let's just assume they are. What about you? What about you? What's in your life that you need to evaluate? Because guess what? We all have flaws. All God's children got flaws. None of us are perfect. But the reality is, we need to allow God to work on us. So if you're single, I'm, I'm praying that God, for God's will to be done in your life. If you're, if you're married, married and your spouse is here, grab your spouse's hand and pray for them. But, but don't, don't just pray for them. Pray for you. God, what, what area today that I heard that I need to get better at? Because I'm telling you, I, I'm evaluating me. Because as I said today, I'm my own worst critic. And so I, I hear some of these things, and I say, well, I, I need to do a little bit better on that. And I've got to get a little bit better on that. And I, I, I need to, you know, I had to preach this message to myself. And, then I, you know, because last week the Lord changed what I was going to say, I've had to preach this message to myself for two weeks now. I guess he, he thought I needed a little extra, a little bit extra time on that. You know, Lisa, come on, somebody. And, and, and so, you know, you kind of marinate on a little bit more. What, how can I get better in this? And so as Tisha leads us in this song today, I want you to take this time as a time of self-evaluation. God, how can I get better in my relationship with my spouse or God, would you lead the right person to me? God, would you help me to be the person that I need to be? Would you take a moment and evaluate yourself as she leads us in this song today? Thank you, Jesus. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain 
in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my
praise this morning, church. Praise God, praise God. Lord, we thank you today that we can come into your house, give you worship and praise today. Lord, I ask today that you would do a mighty work in our lives. Father, we thank you for ordering our steps, for guiding us and leading us and directing us. God, I pray, Lord, and I give you praise and thanks, Lord, for the freedom. Lord, as we celebrate Memorial Day weekend this weekend, we don't, we, we don't want to take for granted the sacrifices that many men and women made, Lord, so that we could come and worship freely here in the United States of America for those that gave their life as the ultimate sacrifice for our earthly freedom. God, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, just touch each and every family member that remembers their lost loved one this weekend. God, for us that have gathered here today and those that have gathered online, I pray, God, that you would bless and keep, that you would make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them, and that you would give them peace. In Jesus' name.